we literally have 80 of the most talented and amazing people in the region, all within our business, all who want to see each other be successful and see their own progression is not stifled by anybody else. Failing. 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 I know. We talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. And a blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. Well, today... I have my newest friend, Paul Delaney, who is the partner and chief people officer at Amend Consulting. And Amend Consulting is a management consulting firm, which Paul will share their business really exploded during the pandemic. And he'll talk about why. And and it's not just, though, during the pandemic. I mean, gosh, Amend has been an incredible company. And I could say a number of reasons why, but one of my favorite reasons is because of their their mission and their dedication to people. But okay, I can keep going. Paul, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, thanks for being here. And listeners, Paul is hailing from Atlanta, Georgia today because he ran from a client visit to join us. So thanks for doing this on the road. Yeah, no problem. Clarification, I'm actually in Thomasville, Georgia, which oh, is okay. probably the cutest little small town, American town I've ever been in. Uh, so shameless shout out to Thomasville, Georgia and anybody that's from there or is considering going there because it is awesome. So <laughs> loving, loving the new client location. So the new client location, you said it's a, a smaller town. Yeah. I think that you grew up in a smaller town. Where did you grow up again? Uh, so I was born in South Africa. And, oh, well, uh, fuck that shit, man. I really messed that up. <laughs> yeah, but wait. So- you moved to Cincinnati. You moved to Ohio. You moved to Ohio, but okay, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're great. So uh, I think Johannesburg is one of the largest metros uh, out there. So no, I didn't grow up in a small town uh, at all. But uh, I, listeners, I typically do do research and. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Well, but fun story though, when we first moved to the U S we moved to a very small town in Southern Virginia. So if you imagine coming from a very cosmopolitan Johannesburg to the United States and at the time, you know, before the age of smartphones and social media and stuff, uh, my, my reference points to uh, the United States were, were all through big media and, 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 and the sitcoms and the movies. So if you can imagine what a culture shock that was moving to Southern Virginia, where uh, some people still think the war of Northern aggression is going on still to this day, it was certainly a culture shock. So I was correct in, I knew you went, I did think that you did grow up in a smaller town at some point. Yeah. Okay. yeah no, it certainly, certainly did my tour of duty. Goodness gracious. All right. Tell, tell me about your family. Why, okay. Yeah. Why did you move? From South Africa to here. Yeah. Um, so my family, as far as white South Africans go, I'm, I'm very South African. So uh, three of my four, four grandparents were born there. Uh, many more generations back on both sides were South African. And uh, yeah, so my whole family, the whole extended family is still there. But it was, uh, you know, the, the 90s were a really transformative time in South African history, right? So if you can remember the, the over the ousting of the apartheid government, which was absolutely awful, to kind of the new rainbow nation that was South Africa, right? And there was uh, 
a brand new country with all new dynamics and all new um, reconciliation around, you know, the past was coming through. And while it was an incredibly good thing and is, it has been a good thing for the country on the macro sense. Um, my parents started to feel that with that coming to terms with the past and with the idea that, you know, um, the country was going to have to set, settle into, you know, the, the new normal, which is a better normal. It's a rainbow nation. But as far as educational opportunities and uh, ed- opportunities beyond education, um, my parents kind of thought that there was going to be a need for me to explore education out of South Africa. And uh, there was just a lot of violence that was happening in the 90s there, and some of it hit incredibly close to home. So uh, my parents made the decision to to move us from South Africa while being happy and proud that, you know, South Africa had made that transition for itself. And um, I still celebrate that every day that I can um, because it's the right thing for the country. Um, you know, my opportunities and the opportunities for my education were certainly limited and continue to be limited for, for white South Africans there. Um, so they made the decision to move here. Paul, yeah. Paul, why were they limited? Well, Explain because, that. you know, the apartheid government was one of the worst regimes in, in modern history, right? I mean, it was mm-hmm. an incredibly oppressive regime and it was an incredibly, uh, uh, small minority that controlled absolutely everything about the, the the country, the economy, the military, and education, right? And as South Africa went to truly a de- democratically-led country, you had this legacy of under-supporting, you know, the majority from an education perspective as far as the black majority within the country. And now you had the, the black ruling class that's trying to... to right that wrong from the past, right? So as far as creating upward opportunity for um, young and and new professional um, black people in the country, that is what is needed and that's what the the country is doing. Uh, But as a result, uh, some of the programs and the things that they've done to, to try to facilitate that very materially affect the opportunity that, you know, for example, my cousins have as far as their opportunities within you know, education and, and, and corporate companies and corporate opportunities uh, within the economy. So the, the country is trying to pull up, you know, the majority and create those opportunities. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to do it in a very accelerated way, um, which in a macro economic and a macro societal level, you could argue is absolutely what's needed. Um, but for the one person or the single, you know, person that's applying for a job and they're white, uh, they, they, they are, and it's not, hidden it's not hidden in plain sight it's overtly discussed that is such a flip that is such like to me that is such a flip from here yeah you know knowing you somewhat right just getting to know you you're your whole you are very pro-diversity at work very much and making sure you know that everyone gets an opportunity because you and i have talked about the the male woman thing. Yeah. Um, wow. That's crazy. Having come from a space where I have so much external joy at a macro level around the change in tide of a society reconciling itself with the, with a very bad past. Yeah. And seeing that 
impact my family and and in a very real sense the sacrifices that my my little family unit had to go through to try to create other opportunities elsewhere in the world it's to me it has really very heavily informed my my thoughts on diversity and my my perspective around how to think about things through maybe the the, the greater good or the lens that in which you can think about it in an external way not just how it affects me and um, as you know, Sarah, you know, in our conversations talking about, you know, how I'm trying to and, and, and ways in which I'm working now on this side in a very male dominated, very white centric, um, frankly, business community, but also um, consulting industry at large is, is very much has that, 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 you know, stigma, if you will. So for me, it's, it's, it's an actually incredible recognition of kind of how something that was entirely outside of my family's control um, is informed, you know, certainly the path and the direction of the rest of our lives and certainly the generations that come behind us. And that's something that I'm just so incredibly grateful for. And I think just got every day for the fact that I can wake up in this country and have the opportunities to pursue my dreams. And, you know, I look at my, my 18 month old son and just think about what, what this could mean for him and, I just feel so blessed, so incredibly blessed, but then also feel that with my background and, and, and just that perspective that I have, uh, I have a responsibility now to, to kind of pay it forward. And Okay. You have such great purpose. Uh, I'm curious, does your, did your mom have great purpose? Your dad have great purpose? Where did this great purpose come from? You are very clear on your purpose. Yeah. It's yeah. all of that. Um, you know, I, so my, my family unit is just my parents and I. Uh, we moved around not only to the U.S., but then, you know, around subsequently. And that was a massive transition in our family. I mean, mm-hmm. for, for every single one of us. I mean, my dad had an incredibly successful career in South Africa, and he literally hit, like, the hard reset button at the age of 40 and moved mm-hmm. to a country where he had no network and basically started over his career and you know, still was able to retire at the age of 65 and is just so content and so happy here, right? My mom, you know, she had a great thriving business in South Africa, but when she moved here, you know, we only had one working visa within the family. So she, it wasn't her choice as to whether or not she kept working or whatnot, you know, she had to stop. So through, you know, her, her, uh, you know, faith community and through just her, desire to give back, she kind of pivoted very heavily, very quickly into how to, you know, philanthropically, you know, contribute and, and give back. And then, you know, later on when we became citizens and, you know, different phases, she, she again picked up a uh, career, but then now has subsequently again gone heavily into the philanthropic side of the world. And, um, and then I, you know, myself, of course, I, I moved here as a 10, 11 year old, yeah. this quirky little, you know, kid with an accent in Southern Virginia. Um, you know, it was, I was, it was a very stark reminder at each of these moments in, in our transition of why we were doing it, right? And, and, I, and I'm not speaking for anybody else, but I have to imagine that maybe most kids who just go through a normal adolescence where, you know, the transition from, from one grade to the other is yeah. just what it is. And, and, and just, you know, you keep growing up with your friends. And I, I had amazing conversations with my family uh, at different times. And, and in some ways, I know that I wasn't a part of some really tough, tough conversations where maybe, you know, our visas weren't going to renew and we'd have to move back to the South Africa. Wow. Right. Um, so I guess, you know, 
some people call it like an immigrant guilt. I think of it as like, it's almost like a blessing because I just have this constant reminder in my life that I am so blessed to be here. And wait, immigrant guilt. I don't know a lot. I don't know anything about that. What is that? You know, so, so it's, it's similar to like survivor's guilt, you know, yes. like I was so lucky and so blessed that I got out. Right. And again, I, I it wasn't that I fled, you know, some war zone sure, or sure, fled sure. some really, and I don't want to suggest that I'm a, no, a, no, a refugee yeah, or I'm not trying that. to, you know, liken myself to that, yeah. but, but there is a very real part of me that's like, why me? Right. Why, why was I so lucky to yeah. have the parents that I had to have the opportunity to come here to be educated in this country, to have just so many amazing experiences and life experiences and, and just, you know, to find my wife and to have, you know, our healthy child. Like, I feel blessed beyond measure in almost every sense of the word, right? And and I think of that as, as how I, it's almost like a response, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected. It's like yeah. I have in my mind the responsibility to pay it forward and to have purpose and, and live in a way that's greater than just myself because I am a first generation American. I don't know if I'm the first generation American or Jack is. I, I don't know how that plays. But, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's a, I've been given a blessing, right? And that was made very clear to me early, right? As a little 10 year old, right? Really? As a that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Was that, was that planted or was that communicated to you early on, even when you lived in South Africa or more so when you moved here? Yeah, more so when we moved here, um, you know, when we, when obviously as I, you know, with each incremental year, the, the conversations and the maturation just changed, right? The difference between 12 and 14 is very different than 16 and 18, right? Um, but I, uh, yeah, I, I think that that was a conversation we had as a family. Um, it was very clear why we were moving, you know, was to create the opportunity for my dad to further his career because he had reset and it was something that we, we needed to do as a family to, you know, allow for us to continue to, to, to have the upper, more opportunities here. And, and, and my, my parents were amazing in that they said one of their very real and tangible goals once they moved here was to provide a, a, an education for me. And that investment was something that they wanted to make. And that was always very clear to me was that was something that they took a tremendous amount of pride in was the, you know, kind of the, 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 the thesis around moving here was to create the, the opportunity for my education and to then allow for, from, from that jump off point or for that, from that springboard, you know, from there it's on me, but, but they really wanted to give me that education. All right. So I, I am um, obsessed with people who have, who are big thinkers, uh, growth mindset, abundant thinkers, or my new favorite term is expansive thinking. That is you. Like, I don't think you are scared of much. What are you scared of? Yeah, that's a really interesting question because I do feel from a lot, in a lot of ways, I start from a position of fear. Um, and that you knowing me in the way that you do, that might seem a little bit out of character, but it's, it's almost like uh, introverts who could just run a room. Right, You're yeah. Like, oh, you must yeah. be an extrovert. It's like no, that they're actually just an incredibly well-adjusted, yeah. competent yes. introvert who you know goes back into their 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 home dwelling and recharges. Right, I, and it has been a flip for me. I'm going to be very honest. Um, you know, 
my wife and I have worked incredibly hard and incredibly vigilantly over the last 12 years to put our family in a position where I can think bigger when it comes to my career, right? Because we made choices and we continue to make choices that allow for that flexibility, right? And taking the job shift that I did um, would have been absolutely impossible if maybe my wife and I were living uh, beyond our means or even at our means uh, in my prior career, right? And I, I feel that in the last two to three years, I've had a huge inflection where I was very, very tactical in the early years of my career to be very diligent about, you know, achieving certain things in certain timeframes so that I could unlock things for my future. Um, but I also have a really weird concept of time that's come into my, into my paradigm right now. Okay. And what does that mean? That, well, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. Okay. So let me just kind of put that out in the world. <laughs> and you don't play one on television. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've told a few friends about this, but I think about the traditional paradigm of a career in retirement and think that for us and for a lot of people, it's informed by, uh, uh, in many cases, you know, grandparents maybe who are, you know, the, the, the depression era kids and then the greatest generation, which is now retiring, which, you know, of course theirs was informed by that. And that, that, that traditional mindset of you work until you retire and then you, you know, actuarially speaking, you have a very finite window after you retire, um, what have you, right. To, to, to enjoy the fruits of your labor and, 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 and there you go. And I have started to, think about a world in which what if a huge portion of the population lives well beyond the hundred, right? Yes. The medical advances that we're seeing right now are just mind boggling. And that's what we're seeing. That's not even what we know that they're working on. Right. And I've just thought about this world in which what if your, your career is measured in, in an 80 year window or a 90 year window, right? And thinking about that in, in, in different chapters, right? Because I think for most people, they have to work to, to save money, to put money away so that they can then retire, retire with that money, right? right, right, right but if right, you right. think about a whole different world in which maybe the, the, the traditional concept of working to 65, to retire at 65, what happens if you re- retired at 55, but then worked for 30 more years? in maybe a different profession or maybe a second career where you're a teacher or you're in the nonprofit space where your, 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 your need for income generation is lowered because, because from 22 to 55, you put as much money away as you could so that that compounding, you know, effect of, of, of investments and, you know, that, that I think yes, yes. is it Buffett who talks about the, the, the one, the, one of the wonders of the world is compounding interest, right? Yes. Yes. So, you know, most people were, you know, work until they retire. And then the day after they retire, they start drawing income from the money that they earned last Friday. Well, if I can retire and need the money, but I, I earned that money, you know, 33 years ago on Friday, the compounding of that really changes. And I think about that relative to people's careers because everybody thinks about your highest earning years are in the end of your career because, yeah. well, that's how it works in corporate America. And that's, you just all, you know, it's this ever growing idea but the the, 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 the 
the biggest problem with that is you're earning the money closest to when you need it and you don't allow for that compounded growth. So if you stack the statement that a lot of us are hopefully, God willing, going to live much longer than, than maybe the generations before us, I think that that creates an entire new way in which we can think about careers because for people that are very purpose-driven and people that are very excited about you know doing things, you can legitimately have a second career potentially and have that start at you know, 55 or 65 and still work like a 20 year career with a tremendous amount of experience built into that. So there's a ton of benefit that you can pour back into the world, but Oh, by the way, you don't need that to be the thing that provides the income for you to retire. And that's where I think so many people shy away from their passion projects or giving back because they feel this very real tension around, I need to retire. I, I need to save for retirement. I need to maybe make up for the fact that I was, you know, uh, I went through that recession and I lost a lot of money or I, I, yeah. I had a, a break in my employment. So therefore I've got to make, make back up for it. What if instead you think about it through the lens of having true compounding of your, of your wealth, enabled by a much longer life, which then allows you to have a lot more freedom when you think about career choices and giving back and, and making an impact on the world. Okay. So this is, like you said, this is a, this is a paradigm shift. Okay. I mean, this is, you are basically saying, Hey, I'm going to rethink my life, but I'm going to put my purpose. uh, And Marshall Goldsmith just wrote a book that I started reading called The Earned Life. And he's talking okay. about, I'm only like, I don't know, 50 pages in, but he's yeah. talking about this whole, this whole concept of have, am I achieving the life I want to earn? And it's purpose-driven. So for you, share with the listeners, and I don't know if it's still the same that it was before, but you had shared with me that you want to do some work and then what's your second career? Yeah, so one of my visions with the mend and one of the questions that I answer most often when talking to recruits about what's the future of our business I talk very openly and candidly about the fact that it's really not mine to walk out we are building our business and we have committed to our 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 employees that we're not selling the business and we're building it with them and through them for them to end up leading and it's something that our founders Craig and David graciously kind of started and we as now the next generation of partners are kind of accelerating in you know very aggressively growing our partnership and and bringing people into the partnership who are going to then lead the partnership right so um i say it all the time i'm i'm the least technical person at amend and we are one of the most tech savvy tech forward tech leading businesses in the game right now and i'm proud of that because I don't ever want to be a limiter to any facet of our growth. And I, when I mean growth, it doesn't necessarily mean more revenue or more people, right? Uh, with the idea that we don't want to sell or we don't want to sell out, we have no external influence that's telling us we have to grow. So we grew by 70% last year. We have nobody that, 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 that is asking us to do that again. Now, we're probably going to do it again. Um, Seriously? Really? Yeah, I, roughly. I could... I, again, I'm, I'm the least detail-oriented person at events. So my partner, Jeff, will tell you down to the third decimal point, our growth, which is amazing because <laughs> we need him. And I'm the guy that's just roughly speaking talks in, in generalities. But we're growing this business at a lightning speed because we have the most amazing people in our region who have said, I want to get onto that ship because I believe 
in working with amazing people and people that I love. And I can actually af- effectively build my future at a med, right? So um, I, I talk a lot within our business around this idea wait, of thinking wait. about our... Yeah. Can please. I interrupt really fast? Yeah, please do. This is what I want to understand. How did you get so clear on this? Yeah, so I had a really interesting moment in time about five years, four or five years ago when I realized that we had a disproportionately young team and we had a disproportionately talented team. So if you think about the traditional construct of a, of a two-dimensional org structure, you've got the okay. manager and you've got three subordinates. Naturally yeah. speaking, the best one of the three subordinates takes the manager's role and the manager becomes a director. And then you say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to train up the B plus player. And then hopefully the C player is happy with being, you know, at that level for the rest of their life. And that's just kind of how, again, I'm simpl- vastly simplifying sure, sure, sure. a lot of things in, in the, in the business world, but our team is literally all a players and they're all very young. So this idea that if in the traditional way of thinking about development and people leadership and people opportunities, very quickly people are going to feel stifled by the fact that with one promotion, I'm now two years behind you, Sarah, right? Because I now have to wait for you to vacate your role before I can have a similar role, right? And that is such a big challenge in so many companies because you have these super high potential people, but you know, your, your director of finance is amazing, but her boss is the CFO and she's not going anywhere for three to five years. So what do I do? I only need one CFO. And that's a challenge that so many companies have trying to keep highly engaged people, uh, high, highly talented people, highly engaged, right? And it's a really cha- a big challenge because it, what that then hap- leads to or what happens as a result is people leave because they, 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 right. they, they want to... Ex- create other opportunities for themselves and their families. And then as a, as a, as a society, we're like, oh, those damn millennials that keep you know, leaving do, jobs. <laughs> but how do you, okay, how do you balance that? Like, is yeah. it almost like socialism and everybody? Absolutely gets- not. Yeah, so it's, 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 it's equality of opportunity, right? So for us, I think about our consulting business and now we have – a, a business is within our business as, that's a software business that is what? I, yeah, so we've launched a software business within our within have. A, what have yeah. you done? Well, What's because here's the deal, and this, it's it, it, it's literally what I thought of as a concept five years ago around these. I, I call them cones. I think of it more of an ecosystem, not a, a two dimensional you know, paper org chart in which you say there's one head honcho and then there's a bunch of subordinates who are all fighting like the Hunger Games to be the last survivor for the next head honcho job when, you know, that 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 person retires or dies or quits, right? So I think I within our business, we're trying to create, and, and I think as demonstrated by our software business, by, you know, we have partners who have come up through the business who started as interns and then became partners to partners wow. who have come in from industry and brought tremendous expertise and 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 are leading marketplaces and leading technologies that there's there's opportunities for both to become partners and the the idea of creating a collaborative environment in which we want to be the sum of our parts where everybody wants to see each other be successful there's so many there's so many companies and there's so many jobs in the world where I don't necessarily want to see my colleague be successful because it's at my expense. Right. And, and yeah. it's, it's this really weird dichotomy, right? Because 
HR is preaching culture, culture, culture. But I'm looking at Susan saying, man, but if he gets a better rating than I do this term, that's right. I know we're both up for promotion. So, hey, when she reaches out and asks for help, am I really intrinsically that motivated to help them? Yeah. No, I'm not. And that's just human nature, right? And that's how most orgs are built. And what we're creating at Amanda, what we have created is this idea that we literally have 80 of the most talented and amazing people in the region, all within our business, all who want to see each other be successful and see their own progression is not stifled by anybody else. So the amount of goodness that comes from that, it's, it's literally something that you just can't fathom. It's, a, it's the most beautiful thing. I'll sit there. I, I, I literally have a pastime yeah, where I yeah. watch all the nerds in our business on our Microsoft Teams account just helping each other out. I have no idea what's going on. Like, I literally have no idea, but I love it. I literally love it. Because, oh, has anybody ever run into this connection between this system and this system and run into this error code? And then five other nerds just jump. And for the record, within our business, ner- nerds are a term of endearment. I, so I understand. Don't no, we t- let anybody I totally get, get it. offended. Right? Do you but ever I watch listen- these people help each other out. And, yeah. and not that it's a tit for tat where it's like, I, you know, there's, there's a credit system, but there's like this literally this collaborative culture where – I've helped people and I've got so much help that when someone pops up with a need that I know how to help, I don't think that me helping them is going to get them promoted before me. So, you know, I always celebrate Maddie Collins because she got promoted because she was crushing it. And it wasn't that she, she filled a vacating role. It was the fact that she came into our business. She found an amazing lane where she was adding a tremendous amount of value for our clients. She was working collaboratively across because frankly, she had to because she was taking on very big responsibility with very big outcomes at our clients. And she thrived. And when she got promoted, not a single person in our business mm. batted an eye other than celebrating for her because they, they, it was, it was they knew she, and, yeah. And that's that. So idea. have you, have you, have, do you ever listen to uh, Huberman Lab? No. So this is this guy. He's got a podcast and he is a scientist at Stanford and he has a whole podcast that's around neuroscience. All right. And one of the things that he was talking about, it's all brain science, talk about a nerd, but in a cool way, yeah. he is talking about, and this is something interesting to me. You know, we talk about gratitude and how, you know, you're supposed to do a gratitude list for yourself to help with serotonin and, you know, brain health. And actually what he said is, it's um, it's when you receive a compliment or gratitude from somebody else increases brain health. And I would think, huh. I would guess that when someone is asking for help, it's going to have, you're going to have a boost in serotonin because you feel like, you're like, wow, they think I'm pretty great because they're asking me for help. And intrinsically, if you know that that's not at your expense and you can help them, I do believe that that's the best possible intersection there where you can help yeah. someone and yeah. you can feel all the good vibes and the good energy from that and maybe you know dissuade some of that imposter syndrome that snuck up this morning, right? Mm-hmm. And the idea that I can be a part of something that's bigger than myself and help someone else, but also yes. just feel really good about the fact that that's not politically orienting me in a negative sense to, you know, someone else's progression. So I love that point. And I, th- I do believe that that opportunity to help others intrinsically is something we all want. 
as as yes. long as we feel safe in that moment, that it's not going to negatively uh, well, the, impact the us. Safe, the safe in the moment, I think, is key, right? It is, yeah. And that's been a big topic recently at work and in, you know, articles because people want to feel safe. And that's our job as leaders to, to, allow, to enable right. that, right? That's right. And, and that's to create right. the culture that celebrates that. Yep. Over the years, I've coached executives and young professionals looking to embrace their strengths, level up their leadership, and find their dream careers. Just like my podcast guests, my clients have been stuck, but I've helped them navigate whatever challenge they're facing and find a way forward. That's the goal of our 10-week coaching program, Move Forward. Through my guests' best practices, our coaching tools, my team and I will help you discover your primary motivations and challenge the unhealthy and limiting beliefs that are holding you back. You'll use neuroscience to create new healthy habits and create a Move Forward plan for your future. If you're interested, you can visit failforwardpod.com backslash coaching to learn more and to sign up for a one hour exploratory coaching session. That's failforwardpod.com backslash coaching. So Paul, before you got on the podcast episode with us, was there anything that you were like, dude, I want to talk about this with Sarah. I want to talk about this because I'm excited about it. I mean, I just love your brain because you have so many great ideas. It's insane. Yeah. So uh, last night I was asked uh, to the listeners, I shared with Sarah that I was woefully underprepared for an event that happened last night. And I was asked to use three words to describe myself. And I actually had gratitude as one of them. Mm-hmm. And the mediator kind of cocked his head. He's like, how is gratitude like a, an adjective? And I, I literally cannot begin to stress just how much living with gratitude and that being a, 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 a just a constant, ever-present like thing that I'm seeking out, that feeling of just feeling, you know, that, 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 that great, grateful and blessed, but also that abundance and not being scared, right? And mm-hmm. I think we live in the best country in the world. And, and to your, your question, I, I, if there's one thing that I think I can pay it forward to is, you know, there's a lot of strife going on in our society, right? And I, I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal or on a stage, but, you know, you, you, we're just inundated with negativity and we're inundated, you know, more so now than ever with, with, with social media and all these different platforms of just negativity. But yeah. I believe that we live in the most beautiful and wonderful time in the most beautiful and wonderful country that yes, we can make better and we should, and we have that responsibility because if we're not making it better, what the hell are we doing? Right. But just to wake up and to have my family be safe and when I, you know, pop down here for to Georgia, um, of yeah. course, I miss my family deeply, and I miss—I uh, mean, I, I hate that I'm not putting Jack down to sleep in, in an hour from now. But I know yeah. that they're safe, and I and I, I I just think that you know it's so easy to get caught up in negativity, and to live in the Midwest and to have a, a, a community. I mean, I just love Cincinnati so much more than I ever thought I could or would, and mm-hmm. to have this to live in this community and to feel surrounded by such wonderful people 
and to have literally limitless opportunity is as individuals and as a community, I think is something that we don't celebrate enough because it's so easy to so quickly point out a problem or an issue. And they're, they're real problems and they're real issues. And I'm not trying to sure. diminish them at all, but I do think that, you know, having that, that abundance mindset is just, it's been game changing for me. And I think that that is just, you know, one of the things that I love about, you know, something that Gary Vaynerchuk often says, you know, he celebrates people that started, you know, like how old Sam Walton was when he started Walmart or, you know, he takes these examples of people that started, you know, in traditionally time horizons that other people would say are, you know, behind everybody else or in, in, a, in a different frame. Right. Yeah. And he looks at them and celebrates them as, as having so much time. And I, I think that for young people who come out, there's so much pressure and there's so much comparison that people think that they've got to get it all figured out so quickly. And, mm. and I literally am just sharing with you tonight that I feel like this new perspective that I have is entirely different than it was three years ago. And it's certainly very different than it was wow. 15 years ago. I mean, I literally thought when I was graduating college that the answer key was get a corporate job and be yeah. a part of corporate America because that's all I thought. I mean, that's what I thought the definition of success Well, that's was. all you knew. Sure. That's I all mean, you knew. My dad had been very successful in coming into a corporate environment at the age of 40, mind you, and restarting and then absolutely rocket shipping up the organization. And I just thought, well, that's, you know, those are the companies that that's I saw on campus. Do. That's the answer key, what have you. And now I'm surrounded by small, medium-sized businesses in Cincinnati that are just so innovative and so exciting and in many ways, I kind of feel bad for corporations. I think that they're going to have an incredibly tough road ahead because of entrepreneurialism and the lowering the barrier to entry and the, the, the advances of technology that allow for these huge incumbents to be unseated. And I'm sitting there like, one, our business is, is literally exists to help those companies do that. So I yes. feel like we can enable that and we can we can benefit greatly from the other clients thriving, right? I was talking to our client this afternoon and I said, my favorite outcomes are win-win-wins, right? When when our clients win, Amend wins, yes. and our employees win, like that is literally yeah. the best possible yes. story for me at, at, in our business. And I think so many businesses exist to beat another business or to, yeah. you know, take as much money from their customers as they can without having to pay as much back, right? Or actuarially figuring out how to not pay or not do what you've got other people paying for services or, or subscriptions or what have you. And I'm sitting there like, man, I love that we literally exist to serve, but we're also a for-profit that has the opportunity to grow and be very successful in and of ourselves. So it's, it's a for-profit. That goes back to the abundance thinking. That's exactly. all around your growth mindset. And I, listeners, if, if you get an opportunity to go on a walk with Paul or to have breakfast with him, take it. I cannot wait for Monday for us to go on a walk because it's people like you that, so I'm a scaredy cat too. I've got fears, right? But it's people like you that help me push through those fears and open up thinking that I just didn't even think, it's like your example of corporate. Corporate was all you knew because of your dad. Well, and you're shifting not only that my paradigm. dad, but just everything around me, right? Yes. I mean, when I was on campus, yes. that's that's the only companies I saw at the career fair, and and this was largely before. I mean, I got into LinkedIn. I think I, when I, I don't even know if I was in college when I got into LinkedIn. So just thinking about what was in front yeah. of me and what was the norm, and 
you know, my, my wife and I feeling that we can explore this other path, right? And I mean, I want to celebrate her in this story as well, because without her, I wouldn't have taken that leap. Did she, I would, so you, you two were like kind of dream, dreamed and visualized that together? Well, I mean, so just to give you the slight backstory, I mean, when, when we first started dating, I'd already accepted my job at, at General Mills. And I said, listen, you know, I'm an ops guy. Uh, I'm going to work in all the plants. I want to be a senior vice president at General Mills, again, because I think I thought that that was the answer key, right? Right, right, right. And right. Hey, Minneapolis is where headquarters is, and we're going to have to move three or four or five times before we get there. And, you know, we she said, hey, you know, I'm a nurse. I can roll with the punches. I can get a job anywhere. Like, let's go yeah. on this ride together. So we knowingly set out as that being our path and then very quickly realized, hey, maybe we don't want to have where our children are raised or what experiences we have or what communities we're a part of and, and the extent to which we can give back be determined by somebody else. And again, there's nothing nefarious about corporate, in many cases, yeah, yeah. corporate leadership saying, hey, Paul, and your family move over here and then take this other great opportunity to move sure. over there, yeah. regardless if your daughter just got into, you know, a great STEM camp or your son's, you know, just achieved something that he wants, right? They, they, they need you to move, so you move. And, 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 and we together decided, hey, that's actually not what we wanted. And the idea that coming to Amend was the opportunity to, to, to achieve our life goals as measured in a lot of different things and ways yes. um, and also allowing for us to set up a set up our, our family so that ideally our children could be raised in a community that we're a part of and we're invested in. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to give back very heavily philanthropically because I literally feel committed to this community in which I want to create win, win, wins with, with the community, with my clients, with the men, with my family. That's just literally what I wake up and try to do it's every just, single day. It's, it is so remarkable how clear you are. I mean, it's just like, it's funny that you say that. I appreciate you saying that. Cause I just, to me, I just feel God, like you it's inspire so nebulous. me to get clearer. No, I don't. I mean, I mean, I think it's, um, I don't think it's nebulous. I think it's big picture. I think it's yeah. visionary. You're, yeah. you're more of a visionary person. When you say you were an ops guy, I'm like, I don't really see you as an ops guy. <laughs> I do still love wearing steel toe boots for the record. It feels very comfortable <laughs> for me. Yeah, no, look, I, I maybe thank you for the compliment, but I, to me, it, it's so, I, I just want the best for my family and for the community that I live in. And I, and I actually think that I'm in a world where I can c help create that. And that is my job. That is literally my day job is to find the most talented people I can, find in our community and bring to our community, right? And that's another awesome thing is I bring talent to the region and I yeah. paint this picture for them in which they can achieve things for themselves and their families that in most other environments that they're stifled because of corporate bureaucracy or just the nature of, you know, singular businesses that don't have the opportunity to pivot or to grow or to spin things out inside of this kind of collaborative ecosystem. And, you know, I'm just amazed when I stand in our staff meetings and I look around our office, like one of my favorite parts of any day is walking up the stairs at our office because I don't know who I'm going to see. We've got a very flexible You're environment. So and I literally am just like, this is the coolest thing ever because I'm just walking in yeah. and I'm going to, I think it bothers the hell out of the team because they're all working so diligently. And then there's happy old me just rolling in, getting fist bumps to everybody. And they're all on Zoom calls. And, you know, here I am popping around in the background giving fistfuls. But that's beside the point. The, the, the fact that this is my day job, and I truly believe that if I'm successful, 
I can benefit my fit. I can create outcomes that truly benefit my family and create flexibility yeah. for me and my family that may or may not involve amend many, many, many years from now. But I also feel like I'm a steward within amend to create opportunities yeah. for others so that they can do exactly, exactly what they want for their future, whether they stay at amend for two years, five years, or they end up running amend one day. You know, that to me is such a beautifully pure story in which everybody can win. And it's something that I work really, really hard to do. Well, and I love you. You're, you're doing the win, win, win. Paul, first of all, I can't wait to see Monday. And I'm looking second forward to of all, it as well. thank you for being on the show today. You're, thank you, you are so much such for an amazing me. spirit. And thank you for, for all that you do in your platform. Uh, you are just such a beacon within our community. And everybody who knows you is absolutely blessed to know you. And, and, and through this platform and the reach that you're creating, uh, I just love what you're doing. So thank you for having me. It's been an absolute mm -hmm. joy. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on social media outlets at Fail Forward Pod. <laughs>